Welcome to the Oddcast, brought to you by the Odyssey NFT Experience, seeking to deliver value to creators, collectors, DeFi natives, and DGENs. Every episode, we will speak with personalities across the space about all things NFT in an effort to celebrate, explore, and educate about the many facets of this incredible creator economy. I'm your host, Flame, and I'm here with a promise to keep it interesting, uplifting, and always odd. Let's get into it. We are here to first and foremost celebrate the artists and innovators from all corners of the space within the Odyssey community and beyond. There will be news, there may be alpha, but there will be nothing that should ever be mistaken for financial advice. Always, always, always DYOR, friends. And with that, let's get to our next incredible guest of the Oddcast, Fitch. Fitch is currently head of growth for the Parallel NFT project, as well as an artist, collector, and curator. He has a long and storied history in the space, and he was kind enough to join me in a fascinating conversation about Parallel and his own personal creativity. Thanks for joining me, man. How are you? Good, good. First off, I was just hoping you could introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about how you got started in crypto and how that led to what you're up to now. Yeah. So uh, people know me as Fitch um, in the industry, uh, which is actually my last name. So I don't know if so people have asked me that. And I, I'm surprised consistently at how people don't uh, don't realize that's what that is. Um, I don't know if they thought that's just like a thing I made up or it's Abercrombie and Fitch or but yeah, that's my actual name. Um so yeah, got started in crypto. I guess you know, uh, prior to that, um, was studying psychology in undergrad, and then uh, in graduate school as well, like consumer psychology. So you know, essentially marketplace behavior, um, market research, uh, you know, organizational development training, things like that. And ended up specializing in the the market research side of things at a consulting firm out in LA uh, after I finished at USC. And um, you know, being in kind of like a primarily online research methodology. At that firm, you know, reading conversations online all day, you're going to come across conversations about crypto. So, um, found out kind of incidentally about Bitcoin at that time. And this was in 2016, and then sort of towards the very end of 2016, I was asking a friend of mine who I knew traded Bitcoin about what it was all about, and he's like, "I think you'd be, you know, really interested in it from an ideological perspective." Um, and so I, I took a look at the Bitcoin white paper. I didn't understand 90% of it, but I got the beginning part and I, it was really interesting. And um, that kind of started the whole rabbit hole. You know, I created like a little uh, group on Facebook and then that became like a Twitter account. And then, you know, kind of just gathering information as quickly as I could um, about crypto. So really in kind of like the you know, early sort of Q2 part of 2017 really went deep down the rabbit hole. Obviously, as we all know, what happened in 2018 got wrecked. Um, but, you know, sort of started to develop like my my professional um, opportunities in the industry. I knew I wanted to work full time in crypto. So, yeah, it was like started off as just a casual discovery and then went to, you know, an ideological interest. And then it went to sort of more than that as an interest. And then it went to, you uh, something I decided I wanted to do professionally. So I left the, the stable, cushy consulting you know, life and here I am. Nice. And you're currently the head of growth at Parallel. Yeah. So that's um, a blessing uh, to say the least. Parallel is a, an incredible organization led by incredible people, staffed with incredible people, building incredible things. So, you know, if you're somebody who wants to do something interesting, that is like the definition of a dream job. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's a very well-known project at this point, but for those who are still unfamiliar, can you give us a, a little description of the project and you know how it got started and what's happening with the project now and what's on the horizon? Yeah, definitely. So Parallel is a sci-fi uh, franchise, right? So the first thing that we're making primarily is a trading card game. Um, for those who, of the listeners who are unfamiliar, trading card games would be things like Hearthstone, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, and these are very, very popular games worldwide and, you know, difficult to make. But uh, for reasons that we can discuss, that was the best fit um, in terms of like the, 
the thing that would be the kind of initial mechanism to deliver the parallel universe to people in a compelling way that would also be able to sort of make the best use of NFTs in Web3 um, in a gaming context. And so, yeah, I mean, Parallel, you know, like I said, is a, is a sci-fi franchise. The backstory parallels that, you know, in the future, there's a need to create um, greater levels of sustained energy for the human civilization to survive. And we begin, you know, begin experimenting with antimatter fusion reactions, and it goes cataclysmically wrong. And so essentially the planet becomes massively irradiated um, during this experiment, and it ends in disaster. Essentially, humanity is going to be destroyed if they don't leave the planet. And so um, they create four massive ships, and they leave in four different directions, and a group of people is left behind. You know, So it's a very realistic, sort of a gritty story to start off with. And um, you know, they go to different you know, sort of points in the solar system, and over time evolve into different distinct sort of races or versions of, of human beings with their own motivations, their own identities, their own um, sort of reasons to be. And then over time, um, many years in the future, after this evolutionary period has taken place, that reaction on Earth matures and actually becomes the ultimate source of sustained energy, basically the ultimate energy source in the universe. And um, so they all come back, all of these different versions of humanity and the one group that survived that was left behind are all now battling for this. Um, and so each of these factions is has, again, their own reasons for why they want this energy or why they want control of their original home world and Earth. Um, so that's the backdrop of, of Parallel. And so it, it's this really, really rich, dynamic story. You know, we're working on comic books. Um, you know, we have a trailer that we're producing um, with the Russo brothers who have, you know, done Avengers Infinity and Avengers Endgame. Their studio is actually, you know, helping us produce visuals uh, in terms of, you know, storytelling. So there's all this other stuff with the story that's going to, you know, continue to be developed. Um, and then there's the game, right? So we're building a trading card game where each of the factions is represented and each of the factions has their own sort of strategic play style, if you will. And you battle, you know, with your favorite faction or maybe you have a few you like against other players who pick their favorite faction. And each of these factions has three commanders. And so, you know, we call them paragons. You can pick your your leader, essentially, and and you do battle. And, and it's really, really cool because there's this whole narrative backdrop that's exciting and it adds depth. Um, and the game itself is really strategic and fun. And so the game's not out yet, but we're in development of it now. And I guess that transitions into the other part of your question. Um, so we've been, you know, working really, really hard building the game. We're at about 70% of, you know, the, the kind of cards in the base set um, are, are finished now and, and, you know, out there. And so, you know, we're, we're getting close. We're getting really close to the point that we're going to launch this game. And that will be after the base set is completed. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're expecting this to be one of, if not the best Web3 game ever made. I mean, that, that, is, that is the standard that we're holding ourselves to. Anything less would be, uh, I think, we collectively agree a failure. So that's how serious we are. That's kind of the, the primary deliverable that people are looking forward to with us. But there's all this other stuff that continues to be built. Um, we announced at NFT NYC that we're also making a sort of a, a avatar, you know, PFP type project, but it's so much more than a PFP. You know, we've put out demos of like 3D VR spaces that we're building that could potentially lead into first person shooter development. Um, there's so much to the Parallel universe, and so I would encourage any listeners who are unfamiliar to check out Parallel.life and uh, and see some of the stuff that we're working on there, and and follow us on Twitter at Parallel NFT, um, and just make sure that you, you know you're taking that content in because it's it's truly incredible stuff. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I was attracted to the artwork from the jump. I think you know the stuff that Oscar Mar Studios is doing, especially, was just mind blowing. It wasn't like any other artwork that I had seen in the NFT space yet. And it was clear, I guess, just knowing that it was going to be a card game, that there was going to be some rich backstory and probably a very active Discord community and and group of players and fans that were going to be, you know, really excited about this. And I think it also, you know, lends itself to something that needs to take time to be developed properly. So 
you know, as much as I think people are chomping at the bit to play the game, I think it's to your advantage that it clearly is something that you can't rush. Yeah. Well, think about AAA games in general, right? Like AAA games will be in development under lockdown for two years before you even hear about them. Right. The, you know, the one of the difficulties of building uh, a game that utilizes Web3 technology um, to benefit, you know, players is you, you're kind of in two different worlds in the game world. I mean, I'm a fan of the Elder Scrolls series, right? So um, the last installment was more than 10 years ago. Uh, and it, it hurts. I need Elder Scrolls 6, right? But the last installment being Skyrim, uh, which is one of the greatest games ever made. And everybody fully expects the next game is going to be one of the greatest games ever made. But, you know, they have said barely anything in 10 years about it. Everyone knows it's coming. Everyone knows that they're even working on it right now. But you don't see anything. You, you barely hear, you know. So this is, that's the traditional game world, right? And then you have in Web3, if you're not giving constant updates about a project, people think it's a rug pull. So you have these two different worlds. One moves at light speed and one moves at a snail's pace. And you kind of have to find um, somewhere in the middle, right? And I think that we're actually building at a really impressive pace overall. You know, it'll probably be just over two years from um, the start that, you know, we're we're actually putting the game out to, to the public, which I think is really impressive to, to build what we've played and, and experienced to be truly an excellent game. Um, but again, it's it's we're also building out in the open and trying to embrace that sort of Web3 ethos of like, let's show people what we're doing. Let's show people under the hood. Let's be as transparent as possible, um, show progress along the way, even though that's not the way that it's typically done in traditional game studios. But we still have to maintain some of that sort of secrecy or things that are still not shown under the hood, you know? So I just wanted to say that it's, it's a, it's a thing that has been discussed maybe a couple times um, in public by our team is just that difference between those two. But it's one thing I just want to drive home is like how different those worlds are. No, I think it's great to make that distinction. I mean, there's still a lot of differences, I think within the traditional gaming world and blockchain gaming, and people are still sort of parsing out, what those differences not only are, but also need to be. And I think that's a really cool delineation that you've made, you know, uh, because a lot of people don't necessarily understand what has gone into this insane process that you guys have developed and have implemented. And, you know, one of the other things I really love about Parallel is that each minting of all the packs that have come out has been, in essence, an event, not only in terms of people's excitement to collect the cards, but also from a visual standpoint, you know, you guys really set the bar high in terms of a mint reveal. What inspired that? Yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to Oscar, who you mentioned, right. Uh, who is our art director, you know, um, he, I think has this really sort of cinematic thought about how parallel should be delivered to people. It should feel magic. It should be wrapped in a special package the and and you know sasha the um sort of primary founder of parallel also feels that way about just like we uh, he said before this line is kind of like we have to blow people's minds like that's what we that's what we're here to do that's what we have to do and um that's very much at the core of the ethos of parallel and i'd say oscar on the visual end really really embraces that and represents that and wants that experience that people have to be memorable. I mean, I'm sure you can remember like the best games that you've ever played, uh, the best movies that you've ever watched, the best television shows. They left a lasting impact on you. They touched your mind and your heart in a certain way, right? You, you left that scene or that experience being like, wow, like I'm reeling from that. And I think the opening experience for the parallel packs is that it, the first time I saw it, I was blown away. I, I was like, this is unbelievable. I mean, it's truly at that level of the greatest games I've ever played, the best movies I've ever watched. And, and I think that's just part of the parallel DNA is that we have to blow your mind. Like that's what we're supposed to do, you know, in creating a, a new world for you, right? It's supposed to be immersive. It's supposed to be like, wow, holy shit that I've never seen that before. Um, and so I think that's, that's kind of the answer is like, like, it's part of what we feel obligated to deliver to people is that just mind blowing experience. Um, 
So the card art that you mentioned is incredible. I just saw one today that's not been revealed yet. That's just insane. It's unbelievable. I mean, I can't fathom how they continue to get better too. I mean, it seems like every, every pack drop series has been better than the last one. And it's like, how is that even possible? Um, so, you know, from everything from the card art to uh, what Tommy and his team are building with the 3d and the AR uh, immersive objects. Um, so every card having like a corresponding 3d asset, and then all these other really cool 3d experiences that we're building um, you know, to the the game team and comic team and and that lore piece and just the, you know, when people get their hands on the game, they're going to see what I mean. It's it's very immersive um, in the actual gameplay and, and the cards all feel appropriate to their their functions in terms of the visuals um, to that opening experience from from top to bottom. It's designed to be wow. You know, like this is this is truly wild. So it's just something that we feel at a very deep level of parallels, like our responsibility to deliver. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's been a premier experience from start to present. And one of the reasons I love that is because, and this is nothing against anything in the space other than scammers who, you know, obviously nobody should celebrate, but, um, you know, in terms of NFTs in general and how maybe they're perceived by, you know, people outside of the space and maybe some even within the space, um, within crypto as well. Uh, you know, you get a lot of crypto heads who don't necessarily love NFTs. But one of the things I love about Parallel is it's one of the examples of an entity or a product or a project in the space that you can point people to and say, listen, not everything is uh, a flash in the pan, uh, questionable derivative that, you know, people are going to buy now and, and watch drop to zero later or, you know, anything else that you might not find to be uh, tasteful or useful or whatever. Personally, I, my tastes are very wide ranging when it comes to NFTs and there's a lot of things that I love and I'm definitely not knocking anything, but one of the things I love about parallels is you, you can point people to parallel and say, look, this is what's possible in the NFT space. Look at what these people are doing. You know, look at the IP that they're creating. This isn't just going to be a uh, online digital card game that people are going to play, which on its own looks super incredible. Um, you know, it has the potential to be so much more. And, and that's obviously very clear in terms of the partnerships that you already established. You know, I mean, working with the Russo brothers is, is no... Uh, no small matter at all. That's about Very true. as insanely incredible of a collaboration as I could have imagined for this project. So definitely a huge congrats on that. One of the other things that, you know, I've seen in tweets that I don't fully have a handle on, and I'm curious to know like what the plan is for that is the AR component that we continue to see in these sneak peek videos. Yeah, well, I, I, first I want to, um, you know, sort of mention something that uh, you brought up there, which is that, you know, we we essentially have, you know, built an experience that's designed to be immersive. It's designed to be um, immersive at multiple levels. And so, you know, the, the AR piece is just part of that that puzzle. Um, and so, you know, new new people are attracted to parallel, I think, because of that immersion. And so that comment that you made about, um, you know, people showing others parallel is like, look what NFTs can be. I've heard that a lot. And actually the data, we saw some data that shows that we are the number two project, I believe, in the world of NFTs to attract brand new wallets. So like their first ever NFT collected being parallel, I guess we're second ever in the world in that metric. Wow, that's awesome. So that's pretty fascinating, right? There's real data that says that that's true. And and anecdotally, in terms of like conversations I've had, um, I, I can't even count how many conversations where people have told me that or like friends of mine from just regular life that I've been like, hey, here's Parallel, here's what I work on. They're like, this is amazing. Like, what is this? You know, and you don't even have to say NFTs. And, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it is that we don't, we're not, you know, an NFT company where mm. we use NFTs to augment the experience that our players and, and community will have with the game and give them ownership. Um, and that's 
that's it, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, to the to the point about sort of immersion and, and AR, uh, which again, I think the connecting point between those two is that we built this sense of immersion and, and that's why people are attracted to it. But AR is a huge, huge part of that. And, and I've shown people a lot the you know, AR models that we've developed and they're always like, geez, this is nuts. Like, you know, because you can actually put them in your physical space on your phone. So I'll show people um, pocket dimension, one of the shroud cards, and you can actually look inside of the pocket dimension and see like wow. this galaxy looking thing. It's just crazy. It blows people's minds. But the, the idea behind having these 3D assets is that every card will have a corresponding 3D asset, right? So up until this point, I believe we're very nearly caught up with all of the cards that have been released, right? Thus far that the public has seen, almost all of them already have 3D assets, which is crazy, right? Um, because there's, you know, they all, they all have to be sort of designed in Unity and um, it's there's a lot of work that goes into that. But we spend a, a good deal of resources internally to make that happen because we want to get to a point where when the TCG game launches, all of the cards in the base set have a corresponding 3D asset already. So if we wanted to go create an FPS, if we wanted to go create an RPG, or if hypothetically another game in the Echelon ecosystem wanted to do that, there's all these assets that are ready to be ported over. It's not, you don't have to build them, right? So essentially it's being able to move laterally, left and right, and explore other game types and other content types, so to speak, um, by the time the TCG launches, all of those things would be ready to rock. And, and that gives you great versatility and flexibility. Um, because again, as the card holder, you know, I'm the one who gets to unlock that 3D asset now. You know, not only as the card holder in, in the parallel ecosystem do I get to spawn more cards if I hold a first edition or a special edition, um, spending a little bit of the prime token, spending a little bit of renown. So I'm I can become a retailer. As a card holder, I can access this exclusive 3D asset as well. You know, I'll be able to earn in game by playing competitively with my NFT. Um, there's all this extra utility that we unlock. Um, and, you know, if you think about these other game worlds, it becomes really, really exciting to be a, a holder of one of those first edition or special edition NFTs because this, these, all these other lateral worlds are going to be opened up to you. Uh, over time. And so that's one of the pieces of, you know, the AR puzzle. Um, the other one is just actually having a game playable in, in AR, in AR VR. So that's part of, you know, uh, what we're building is, you know, the ability to play parallel in, um, you know, sort of mixed reality, so to speak, augmented vir virtual reality with these 3D assets. Um, so that's another really, really immersive and unique thing that we're trying to deliver that, you know, hasn't really been done and, and we want to be the ones to do it and, and do it well. So it's um, a sense of immersion that comes from being able to put these assets in the real world. It's a sense of greater ownership and value as a card holder and sort of immediately unlocking potential for other types of parallel games after the TCG launch. Um, and then it's, you know, the actual usage of these assets in the AR playable game mode. Well, thank you for all that information. I know you can't see me doing it, but I'm essentially shaking my head in wonder at pretty much all of the description. I, you know, I try not to uh, gush. I don't simp, I stand, but you know, it, like when I hear about this, when I read about it, when I look at it, when I see the tweets and getting the opportunity to hear you talk about it in detail, which really, you know, like, Reading about it's great, but it doesn't really uh, do justice to, you know, what it's like to hear about it firsthand. Imagine me seeing it on a daily basis before the public does. It, I, I, it's the craziest job I've ever had without even question. It's not even close. And I'm just regularly blown away. My jaw is literally hanging open regularly at work when it's at the things that I see. I mean, there was a card that uh, Sasha V... Um, one of our incredible artists produced, um, and I, I don't know if it was Enduring Immunus or um, I can't recall specifically which card it was, but he, the, the Cathari are one of the factions and they're cloners, right? So part of the lore is that their genetic memory is actually transferred over to the new clone bodies um, for certain, certain of these clones, right? And so one of the clones who's one of their leaders 
one of the cards is actually him touching um, like a relief on the wall, like a carving of this legendary character. And it's him. He's the one in the relief because he's been cloned over and over and over again. And it's just the way the art came together is mind blowing. And in another one, he's actually cradling himself dying. And it's, it's just so unbelievable to witness th those kind of artistic creations done in the quality that they're done by our artists. I mean, seeing stuff like that and seeing some of the stuff that, you know, the, the sort of PFP for lack of a better term, you know, building these avatars and, and this whole, some of those methods that they're using are just mind blown, right? The comics, you know, the way the comics are coming along, there, there's so many elements of what is done on a day in day out uh, basis at parallel that genuinely leave my, my jaw on the floor. I mean, I've never worked at a company like this that is doing something where daily I'm just like, I can't even believe that. Like I can't believe what I'm seeing. Um, so I hope, you know, listeners can hear it in my voice, how serious I am. Like I am equally amazed as you are. And I work here. Um, it just, I can't believe some of the things that, that are being produced. And uh, it's a true joy, a true joy and an honor to be able to, you know, work alongside some of these people. I think another thing that's super fascinating to me about what's going on with Parallel is that there's also other components within the crypto world um, that seem to be in play and some mystery elements as well that I don't think everybody, you know, fully understands yet. Like, for example, you have Echelon Prime and you have an outside entity, Paragon's DAO, that has a token that's essentially related to uh, the card game. And I think the biggest uh, enigma of all has to be the prime keys. What do you find to be the most intriguing of all that? And how do you feel about all of these elements and how they give an added level of you know, collectors and players having uh, a skin in the game as investors in the project. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, right? So, you know, you have um, essentially third parties who can gather cards and kind of collateralize or, or you know, um, do different things with them um, in the form of like a like a Paragon's DAO, for example. So essentially non-parallel entities, community members who want to pool their cards together and sort of offer them in a unique way. Um as the actual game is is closer to launch, we're going to be talking more about the bonds concept, which will be um, teams in parallel, and they'll kind of have some um, some cool abilities to, you know, pool cards together and uh, and you know be able to go out there and play as a team competitively and uh, and earn you know hopefully more prime if your team is playing well um, because you were able to borrow cards that you might be missing in your deck. So, you know, there's there's kind of like the outside version of that where, you know, uh, members of the community can pool their cards how they wish and maybe form a DAO or whatever they wish to do. Uh, there's the the more inside mechanism of like bonds, which will be, you know, the, the sort of parallel native team mechanism. Um, and there's all these other sort of social organization concepts that, that can be imagined or will be possible within the parallel universe. Um, and then we have the Echelon entity, which is... Um, essentially, again, a separate organization from Parallel, uh, community elected um, members who sort of are, are on this board that oversees, um, you know, not just aspects of the Parallel game ecosystem, but uh, in the future, other game ecosystems as well, which are all under the Prime umbrella. So the Prime will be the token that's used in the Parallel ecosystem, but Prime will also be used in other game ecosystems that are uh, sort of voted on or collectively decided by uh, the Echelon board and the, the collective community uh, as well. That's where the prime keys come in because the prime keys are essentially um, the primary governance mechanism for now uh, as we sort of transition more towards the prime token being the primary governance mechanism. But prime keys are so much more than just uh, the ability to vote on things like this. They're also you know, keys to special parallel events so, for example, at uh, not this most recent NFT NYC, but the one before, we held a LAN party, a local access network for maybe the non-gamers listening. Um, but, you know, you, you play essentially with your, your peers on, you know, linked systems. 
And so we had a bunch of Alienware, like top line gaming laptops. It was in the, you know, the penthouse of this hotel. It was really, really amazing venue. Um, we had food, drinks, uh, you know, a lot of influencers were there. It was, it was a great time. Got to meet the teams, giving out special swag. And you actually, if you won this gaming tournament that we were throwing, you got to keep one of these, you know, three, $4,000 laptops. So access to things like that, you have to have a prime key, right? So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that the prime key can kind of get you access to. It'll have its own unique staking pool um, as established by the Echelon, you know, group. So, you know, extra access to prime tokens um, and then guaranteed pack reservations every time we do a drop. So the, the prime keys themselves are kind of like the, the ultimate access key to parallel. You can think of them that way. Um, and that's kind of the, the best description I can give of those. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I think to simplify it, there's a lot of different ways that you can organize socially outside of specifically parallel, but still using parallel assets if you wish. Uh, within parallel kind of specified systems like the bond system. So if you want to play with your friends, be competitive, share cards, earn more prime, you can do that. Um, again, all contingent upon your, your actual effectiveness of playing the game because we are a win to earn game, not a play to earn game. So you have to be winning and competitive to, to actually get tokens, right? Um, it's a little bit of an important difference from us and other games in the ecosystem. Um, and then there's, you know, this kind of broader um, potential for that token to be used, not just within parallel and have really unique sort of, uh, you know, value aspects related to how it's used in parallel, but outside of parallel for other games that may be sponsored by Echelon or just want to be part of the prime ecosystem and are voted on by the community that we say, yep, that looks good enough. Right. But that's the cool thing. It's it's still a communal decision process, right, is, you know, elected representatives and the community themselves are able to make decisions about what games would become part of the prime ecosystem. And that is really, really cool, because then you're kind of crowdsourcing a vote of passing, right? Like, is this truly a gamer's game? And the nice thing is the parallel community is made up of a lot of gamers. And so, you're going to get real gamers looking at stuff that um, might come into the prime ecosystem and saying, I don't know, that's that's not quite it. Or that's really good. Let's get that in ASAP. So um, I think that's a really exciting aspect of, you know, the world outside of parallel. So obviously parallel trading card game is is so much more all these other pieces adjacent to it. Similar to that, parallel has this other, you know, sort of adjacent ecosystem called Echelon with the prime token and, and that prime ecosystem under that. So um, that's a lot, but hopefully that like helps people break it down. Um, essentially the prime token is going to have use cases well beyond just parallel. Oh, that's so cool. And I think, you know, the, the main takeaway for me is if you really want to do more than play the game, you've got some reading to do. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> so dense with information in such, uh, an exciting way, really. I, I mean that as a compliment, you know, I cannot think of another time where we've had these kinds of experiences. And I still think parallel is very unique in its own right, where you have a game that in and of itself is really incredible. And the IP has all this insane potential, which it sounds like you're already building out, um, on top of, and then you have this governance structure where players actually get to weigh in on how the you know game continues to be developed and assets and elements that are added and then you have a financial component uh that is you know it's we have professional gamers now which is still a relatively new thing all all things considered but I, I don't know of many other instances, if any, where things are being done in this way. And it really is like, you know, for anybody who really wonder, wants to understand what's going on with Parallel from top to bottom, you're going to need to read a manual. And I think that's a great thing. It's it's that way for now. And and I think you're right to say it's a great thing because what it says is that we're, we're building a lot of potential. Um, I think we've probably released 150 plus maybe even 200 pages of documentation now combined between, you know, what the parallel ecosystem has to offer in the prime paper, um, 
and then you know the the echelon paper um, as well as a sort of um, you know partner paper to that in, in some respects um, and then sort of the follow-up echelon papers and and for anyone um, you know who wants to check this out echelon.io has you know a lot of that documentation and then parallel you can check out the the prime proposal um, at parallel.life on our website if you want to read up on some of this stuff it's a lot but I, I think as um, Sasha the you know founder has said a number of times when this actually comes to fruition, when you actually, when it's actually ready to be used, it's going to be design interfaces. It's not going to be text that you have to read, right? You're going to be clicking buttons on a website. So when it, our job is to make it as simple as possible. We're the ones who have to take 200 pages of documentation and turn it into three to four buttons that you click on a web page, right? So that that's and and some, maybe some displays that show you some numbers. That's what we have to do. So. We're the ones who will abstract away that complexity. And by the time it's actually time for you to use these systems, it's going to be so simple and so user-friendly, right? You won't even have to think about it. So you'll just be accruing token or, you know, some, something to that effect. Or click button, do I want to, you know, lend my card to uh, my, my bond? Which cards? Click these three. You want to submit? Click done. Right. So you see what I mean? Once the design work is done and all the modeling and thinking prior to that, then it's just a case of the user experience being tuned and, and it becomes very easy for the users. So um, that's one sort of caveat that I would give there is that, yes, it is a lot and yes, it's complicated, but we're essentially working really hard to make it so that when these systems are actually in deployment and production, the users will just have to click a few buttons. Nice. I think that's actually an allegory for Web3 in general, right? I mean, Mm, yeah, that's kind of the overarching goal for adoption for the space writ large, I think, right now, uh, in the same way that, you know, it was for Web 2 back in the mid 90s to now. The Internet is something that people use without even thinking about what they're doing now. But in the beginning, it was not like that. It was not like that in terms of content creation, web design, any of that stuff. Yeah, I dial up. It, was, it was not very fun. <laughs> no, it was insane. So yeah, no, I think I think that's a, an interesting allegory, and it also, again, to me, says a lot about the project that there's so many moving parts. You know, there's so much work and thought put into this project that it is a situation where it, it's complex in an overarching way right now, and there's work that needs to be done in order to simplify the user experience overall. But you know, I, I don't doubt that that's going to come together in a way that ultimately does feel seamless in the end. It's already feeling like it's moving in that direction. So if you are looking for something to do, now is a great time to read all this literature, you know? It's a great time. And I would say that's one of the ways I got my start in this industry is I read a lot of white papers and, um, you know, they're they're helpful. It, it helps you understand how all this stuff is, is built, what's going on behind the scenes, what's the ideas behind it. I think the simplest um, analogy I could give for, how it is and how it's going to end up is, a, is like a watch, right? So, you know, we're making the watch now. And essentially, imagine <laughs> imagine if you just read a book about every piece in a watch and why they're connected and why they're, you know, specifically spinning in that flywheel at that certain rate of speed because this one has to spin. You would be, your mind would go numb. But if you get the watch and you wear the watch, it just tells time. It just does what it's supposed to do. It chimes when it's supposed to chime. It doesn't when it shouldn't. It tells you the date or whatever it does. So that's that's what we're building. We And in order to build those simple functions, you have to do a lot of thinking and complicated stuff because to arrive at simplicity, there must be sort of a lot of balancing and, and thought to go into that. Um, so if we want to provide a, a handful of really what we believe are essential functions to our, our community, so the ability to earn, but have that be balanced, right? Uh, the ability to lend, but have that be fair, so on and so forth. A handful of functions implies thousands of decisions prior to that, right? And so these papers that we publish are sort of the thinking behind many of those decisions and underlying complexity of, of those things, just as a sort of, hey, this is how we're approaching this. Um, but it's, you know, it's very interesting for people who want to get into that and, and understand that. And if you don't, you don't have to. It's, it's, 
again, it's not at all required that you read that stuff because the end result will be, oh, here's a cool watch that tells time. You see what I mean? Totally. No, that makes perfect sense. It's a great comparison. You know, and as far as the crypto and NFT space as a whole, how has it been for you operating during a downturn like this? And, you know, do you have any suggestions for others in terms of best practices during difficult times? I would just say don't spend as much time on Twitter. Um, you know, if you're like an individual user during bear markets, things can become pretty negative and pretty toxic. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to like use these times to go do other stuff. You know, have you been neglecting your health? Go fix that. Have you been spending too much time on Twitter? Delete the app for a while. You know, uh, do you need to go touch grass? Go touch some grass, like go out with your friends, go see your family, right? Like, I, I sound facetious when I'm saying that, but I'm like 100% serious. That's that's a, a really important thing to just try and get back to a sense of balance during a bear market. Shore up your positions. You know, if we're looking on like the corporate perspective, parallel is fine. We've got years worth of runway um, and we still are, are bringing in revenue from primary and secondary. You know, we're, we're still able to sell, you know, our product because we have a great community that, that wants it and wants to play the game. Um, so there's no issues on the parallel side. I don't even know how much it's worth like discussing that but you know for us we're just still in 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 grind and, and build mode and um even have done more hiring um to shore up certain areas that we want to make sure we're really really strong talent wise um and i think we're we're kind of at the cap of that right now but you know we were we were hiring when things were bearish already so you know parallel side is is, is fine i think we're one of not that many organizations that are in that thankful position that lucky position um obviously that's it's hard to see these things happen in the industry and see um, certain businesses go under certain businesses struggle and have to have some layoffs. Um, but we're, we're not at all in that position uh, on the parallel side, but yeah, just on the individual level, like use this time to balance your life out and, and try and get to a point where, you know, you're feeling healthier, you have more balance with your, your use of social media um, you know, if you have other side projects, I mean, they, the cliche thing is build in a bear market. You should be building all the time. If you're, if you're a builder, I don't, you know, it's, I guess I see why people say that, but it, I mean, you know, the noise kind of level goes down. So maybe that's why that's, that phrase is, is salient. But, um, I think like, yeah, it's an interesting time to, you know, explore maybe side projects that you have that whether they're in the industry or not, um, you know, develop a hobby or something. Right. So, I think that's that's my take. And um, I mean that with all seriousness. It's a great time to kind of like go back and reevaluate like, like because during bull markets, people I, I was doing this, you know, you're online 14 hours a day or more um, and you're grinding and, and, you know, you make great money and, and you're building cool things and, you know, every number goes up and whatever. But it's it's exhausting and you you neglect a lot of other things in your life. So. I'd say my biggest piece of advice would be on the, the personal level to just like go outside, you know, um, see friends, get healthy, you know, balance, balance yourself out. But no, I, on the, on the parallel side, we're, we're hundred percent. Okay. Oh yeah. I would have been surprised to hear otherwise I've seen you, you know, tweet about like work life balance and, uh, you know, things that you do to stay positive and stay healthy. So it's great to get your perspective because you've been very vocal about that. Yeah, it's no joke. And I, and I try and be honest on there uh, just about like my journey and, and the things that I've been through. But, you know, there can be really a lot of temptations, um, you know, if you're grinding and, and you're making a bunch of money, right? It's easy to justify, you know, using substances to, to keep going. It's easy to, you know, eat eat like crap and, and it's easy to stay inside and not go for a walk or workout. So, you know, these things can start to compound and become a serious issue. And, and I've dealt with them and I, I feel like it's just it's just trying to do the right thing by speaking up about it. And um, I'm not the only one to do this. I'm not claiming that at all, but just echoing that message of like, hey, use this you know, time where things are down, shore up your positions, make sure that you're okay and stable financially. But like, and I know the world's in a weird spot too, but try and tune that out and just get yourself right. You know, just, just figure out a way to get yourself right. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's the same ad as just grabbing the oxygen mask, you know, so that you can breathe before you try to figure out, you know, how to deal with the rest of the world and help others. Self-care exactly. is incredibly important in this space. And, you know, I know you're not the only person out there, you know, advocating that, but I have noticed, you know, that you do do that. And I, I for one, appreciate it. And I think it is a welcome, you know, 
those thoughts are welcome in a space that, you know, can, can get really dark sometimes with negativity and, and, you know, all the other things that aren't just, you know, uh, things that happen in crypto Twitter, but, you know, Twitter in general and online spaces. So I think it's good to, to, uh, you know, speak about that. And I appreciate, you know, your openness about that. I think that's really cool. Speaking of taking up hobbies, I know that, you know, and I, I wouldn't call this a hobby. I would say that you are a, an established artist. Um, and you know, you've created some NFT work of your own, uh, some of which is available on super rare, some of which is, uh, or you've sold on super rare and some on OpenSea. Uh, and I don't know if you've sold any on any other platforms, but I just wanted to talk to you about, uh, your experience uh, as an artist, you know, how would you describe your style and you know, what kind of tools do you like to use to create art? Yeah, I appreciate that. I think I sold one on known origin, um, as well, but yeah, that's, that's all of them. Um, did I sell one? May have sold one on block party as well. I can't recall, but yeah, I think primarily super rare and, and open C. Yeah. I, I just, I think, you know, at the time, that I started making art, I was working at Block Party doing, you know, growth and curation there. And I said to myself, like, can I really do this job properly if I don't understand art, like on the level of making it? And I've always been a, a huge enthusiast of art um, since I was young, gone to a, a lot of art museums, many, many art museums, many times and um, appreciate art quite a bit and uh, just enjoy it. And um, I'm able to kind of see art in my my mind, you know, sort of like as I'm going to sleep or at other times in the day, I can kind of like vividly see art or, or certain compositions in my mind that I'm, I'm creating. And I had never acted on that. And I'm sort of frustrated with myself for taking so long to do it. But I think also part of it was access to like the methods that I would be able to work with. So um, found out about like, you know, the iPad and the Procreate app um, and the Apple Pen as just like a really quick and easy way to get started. And I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. So got myself the iPad, got myself the pen, you know, the the app and just started, excuse me, going to town and, um, you know, became quickly sort of really immersed in that. And I've made hundreds of pieces at this point and uh, sold quite a bit as well. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just kind of trying to like express, you know, visions that I, I have or like ways that I look at things. You know, some of it is like things that I'm sort of illustrating uh, specific scenes um, in maybe more of like a traditional style. But I, I tend to do more like abstract stuff. Um, and then also, you know, just thinking about like recently layers. Um, so kind of, I guess you'd call it collage, but, you know, taking sometimes existing art taking maybe sometimes existing art and like layers that I've made or just layers that I've made and sort of like meshing them together in a compelling way, um, sort of clipping them together and, and, you know, um, making edits along the way to arrive at like a final layered product that is, um, interesting and has depth and has, you know, unique texture and, and color and things like that. So, that's, that's primarily, you know, what I've done, at least in terms of like the work that I've directly produced. Um, and lately I've been kind of working on um, a side project, which is, I uh, can't really say much too much about it, but it will be more of like a full scale drop. If, if I end up going through with it, I think um, the initial sort of path that I was going down for it, um, I ended up seeing some other things that I felt were a little too similar. And um, I'm kind of now trying to you know, go to another level with it. So find a way to like really, really make it something brand new that nobody's ever seen before. And um, it will be art, you know, and it, it will be creative and, and something that's interesting, but it won't be directly produced by my hand. So I, I would say that's kind of like the, the next level that I'm trying to explore. I can say, generally speaking, that it involves AI. Um, and so trying to essentially find really unique use cases for AI to take, um, take things that exist and transform them in very, very unique ways and ways that you probably haven't seen because there are some, some sort of transformative AI NFT projects out there that take, you know, something that exists and make it look a little bit different, but I'm trying to go a couple layers deeper than that. So. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate the alpha, you know, I, uh, wasn't going to try to solicit any, but I appreciate you uh, hinting at this endeavor 
uh, you know, you're a, you've always been in my experience, a very vocal, uh, champion of artists in the space and other projects that you like. And I really, you know, applaud your effort to be one of those people as well. And I am definitely looking forward to seeing what that's all about. And, uh, you know, hopefully being able to support you and that project as well. Do you have any advice for, you know, artists and builders and innovators that are looking in to get into the space? Yeah. Um, let me think about that. I guess, you know, try and channel like who you are. I mean, the, the best creators of things that I follow and, um, doesn't matter whether it's art. Like I really am a huge fan of the chef, Marco Pierre White. And he talks about this a lot of like, you know, the greatest chefs tell you who they are on the plate. And I think the greatest artists do that. The greatest athletes do that. They tell you who they are on the court. They tell you their story in the way that they do their thing. And so I think for artists and builders, it's got to be an extension of you and your vision. Um, it's got to be something that means something to you. The words that you use, the the way that it looks visually, the way it all comes together in the the web experience or, or, you know, similar analogs to that, it has to be you. Um, you've also got to build, I think, a brand around it. If you don't already have a brand, um, you got to build one and, and you have to build a community that is more than just, you know, the word community. It gets thrown around so much. It's like, okay, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? A lot of people mean by that a uh, marketing tool or people to buy their product. That's it. That's as far as they're thinking. That's not a community, right? Those are your, just your customers. You have to build a sense of camaraderie and love and real attachment to what it is that you're doing. And in order to do that, you have to tell stories and, and really build connections with people and be there in the trenches and put in the work. Um, so, you know, I would say it has to communicate who you are at a, at a fundamental level, whatever it is that you're creating. Um, you have to be able to tell that story to people to create connections you have to actually, you know, actively yourself go out there and, and build connections with people, foster a sense of community. And then, you know, you have to spend a lot of time thinking about how you're actually going to launch it and create a launch event around it, right? Um, it has to feel like a dramatic fanfare, especially in the market now. Um, the market now is, is, is rough. And so it didn't used to be like that where you had to do as much, but still you have to kind of promoted in advance and have like a, a lead up to the event. And, you know, it's got to be a whole thing. And, and so I think if you can effectively create that sense of, you know, drama, um, but more importantly, the like real foundation of actual authentic creative expression that's true to you, um, getting people bought into that by telling them stories effectively, creating a sense of community, and then that, that drama and that fanfare leading up to the actual release of the thing then you've, you've done an effective job, right? And if it doesn't, you know, sell, that's okay. But, you know, you want to be putting yourself in that position. Um, and to put yourself in that position, I think some of those things I mentioned are, are great ways to start. Oh, that's great advice. I, I couldn't agree more in terms of authenticity. The, the best art truly does feel like it came from the artist in some sense, you know, that you can, if you know enough about that artist, even if it's just tidbits, you know, you can, you can sense the the influence. You can sense the the person in the art. I, th I think that's great. You know, we'll never need less authenticity when it comes to art. And I guess I'm just curious, like right now, you know, it's it's the times are very interesting in terms of art within the space. Is there anything recently that's really caught your eye that you're interested in that you're geeking out on that you think is super cool? Yeah, I mean, I'll give a cop-out answer i guess well no there th that sam spratt stuff with like lucy the the ape was mind-blowing i mean that was amazing um that's the only stuff recently that i've been like wow that's really amazing other than and this is the cop-out part the parallel teams work um parallel teams work is just that and I, I you know i think the horse blinders come on kind of in the in the bear market like you you start to sort of the, the distractions go away um, again, you're not on Twitter as much. And so my focus has narrowed and the things that I see most of all are the parallel teams art. And that's what, you know, blows me away on a regular basis. I think that's fair to say because it's objectively excellent. Um, but I'm not 
you know, like I used to be, I used to be out there finding every bit of art that would, you know, would come, would come out uh, in the NFT space, but I'm not doing that as much anymore, uh, partially because it's, it's not my job to do that anymore, partially because of the bear market, partially because, you know, I've done it so much that I've kind of, I feel like I've seen a lot. Um, but yeah, I would say this, the Sam Spratt stuff, hundred percent is like really, really amazing. And again, tells that story, right? It's authentic to him. Uh, it tells a, a life story. That's really cool. Um, you look at it and you're like, that makes, that stirs something inside of me, you know, like that makes me feel as a human, like excited. Um, but besides that, I would say just, just really continually amazed by the leveling up of parallel teams art. Cool. Yeah. I, I hear you. The Sam Spratt stuff is deeply evocative and I don't think it, I don't think there's any bias and, in, in, you know, just because you're so deeply immersed in the parallel art, it is incredibly badass art, you know, and kudos to every single artist on that team. Just super good. Yeah. <laughs> really, really brilliant stuff on the same level as any like mind blowing thing you've ever seen out of your favorite graphic novel or comic book or, you know, sci-fi film, it's, it's on that level. It's, it's top tier stuff. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that you think it's your favorite stuff. Because Thank you. I'm not, I'm genuinely not trying in to that be category. the company man here, you know, like I'm not trying to do that, but it's, oh, it's no, no, no. I don't, I don't mean it's, it's the top. I felt like that at the very beginning before I was on the team and it was not as good as it is now. And I think all the artists would agree with me saying that I'm not going to get like beat up by the artists for saying that it's way better now. So it's like, yeah, I mean, the, I just, that's just the stuff I like. So, yeah, no, that's totally cool. And, you know, as an outsider listening to you, not only now, but like in other conversations and, you know, stuff that you've written, I, I, I think it's safe to say that you're a pretty humble person, which I think is one of the things that I really respect about you, you know? So I, I think you can, freely espouse whatever you want because it never comes across as like this egotistical, uh, you know, it's the best because it's what I'm working on right now kind of thing. I don't do the art either though. So it's yeah, kind of, that's the other thing. yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I appreciate you saying that that's, that's kind of, kind of you to say. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's from the beginning, just the exact kind of thing I was looking for. I remember, you know, from, and I was like one of the very first people to buy a card, uh, parallel card, one of the first, you know, three. Um, and I remember thinking then like, this is what I was waiting for. This is it, you know, and turned out that that was, that was true. But sometimes when you see it, you just know, and it's, you know, I'm just love gaming, love sci-fi, love lore. Um, the artistic style is kind of exactly the kind of style that I'm particularly keen on. So it, uh, yeah, still to this day, it, it does the same thing for me. I don't think it's going to get old and somehow they just keep getting better. Yeah. I, I think, I think that is the benefit of, you know, what Parallel's doing and some of these other really incredible projects in the space and not just in the space, but, you know, in the, in the, in the world at large, uh, you know, people want new stories. People want new adventures. They want them to be, uh, they want them to look great. They want them to be well told. So I don't think that's ever going to get old. And I'm just really happy that, you know, that project is part of that conversation right now. I'm also really excited about um, what Rob McElhaney's project is sort of seeking to do the, and I don't know if I might be butchering it, Adamverse, it's A-D-I-M-V-E-R-S-E. It's a project where uh, they're pulling together a writer's room based on applications where people are going to create characters uh that exist in the same metaverse, but it's from all these different perspectives. And I just think that's super exciting, you know, like this communal world building type situation that would have been really hard to put together, I think, before Web3. There's all these really cool things that are unfolding right now. It's really such a cool time, even in this, you know, these crappy market conditions and even during, you know, like all these crazy world events. I still think we exist, at least as far as all the stuff that, you know, we're doing and we're interested in it as far as crypto and NFTs. I think we're still like living in an incredibly amazing time. I agree. I mean, it's the lead side of that, you know, it really is. It's really cool that you're able to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to say thanks so much for joining me again today. It's been awesome getting to talk to you, not only about parallel, but your art and, 
just, you know, everything that we've discussed in general. Yeah. I mean, it's always great talking to you and um, it's a little bit more organized or one-on-one of a format than we, we often do. So that's been a, a real pleasure and you know, I appreciate the the thoughtful questions and, and nice comments. And just, you know, every time I get to talk about parallel, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I'm really, this is an awesome job, you know, and um, I'm really, really happy with what we're, we're building and getting to show people amazing new things. I mean, I had a guy at uh, NFT NYC come up to me and I actually just had a phone call with him uh, earlier today. Um, you know, we got connected, but he came up and he was like, Hey, you're Fitch. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I love parallel. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and we, we kind of stepped aside from the the party and just talked about parallel for like 15, 20 minutes. Um, and, you know, he was telling me about all the new cards that he liked and how excited he was for the game and, you know, which faction he, he chose. And it was, I love that. Like, that's, that's why you do the job. That's why you do the job. Right. And um, all of those, you know, exciting moments that you get to share with other people about this thing that you're a small part of creating um, is truly a blessing. And I think that's like the the highest of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs in life is like you're, you're working on something meaningful that's bigger than yourself. So it's a, it's a real blessing to be able to talk about it and um, share that with people. Amen. Well, thanks again, man. Really appreciate your time and uh, can't wait to see what's next. Cheers. I was really looking forward to that talk with Fitch. Such a cool opportunity to do a deep dive on Parallel and talk about his artwork as well. Please find him on Twitter and check out his creations on Super Rare and OpenSea. We have another great guest lined up for our next episode. Please don't miss it. You'll be able to find it along with all other episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for continuing to support Odyssey, art and innovation. See you soon.